Walking through the streets, you arrive at the unmarked building. As you approach, the door is opened with perfect timing by Stevens. Without breaking stride, you walk into the hall, remove your coat, and exchange it for the drink already awaiting you in Stevens' other hand. You wave to members, old and new, as you make your way to the fireplace. This is your night to bring the story, and it's time to begin. Welcome to the club. Welcome back to the final chapter of Girl Underground. When we last left off, Kat and her companions found themselves back in the mists of the Whispering Willows, having helped free the Fairy Queen from all of her twisted desires. The goal now being for Kat and her companions to head to the Wolfwood and defeat the Big Bad Wolf, thus setting the Fairy Queen free from all of her magic that she spent creating a temporal universe. A few hours pass as you travel by dog to the end of the Whispering Willows and the entrance of the Wolfwood. The gift of fairy sight bestowed upon Cat allowed you to travel through the Whispering Willows fog with zero troubles. Can the Whispers, now that we don't have troubles, can they just say something nice to us to kind of repair that relationship? <laughs> as, uh, as you travel through, you hear the, the Whispers go, <laughs> over, over and over. My kind of Whispers. Yeah. Everyone seems happy except for Gomer, who is taking a twofold hit. One, that Robin Goodfun no longer has a pouch for him to ride in, and two, he would be too big to fit in the pouch if that pouch still existed. So Gomer's dealing with a lot. Yeah. And uh, Ash doesn't feel happy. He feels nothing. He's along for the ride and observing. Emotions, not so much today. And holding his severed arm Mm -hmm. that has fallen off. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we all have things going on. (laughs) Gomer, are you all right? Yeah, it just hit me that Ash's story's taking a real Buzz Lightyear turn. (laughs) (laughs) You reach the end of the Whispering Willows and the entrance to the Wolfwood. Between the two forests, there is a magical, neutral clearing. The perfect place to set up camp and have a rest before entering the unknown. Gomer collects wood. Ash starts a fire one-handed. Robin carefully shapeshifts nearby forest plants into chairs and bedrolls, and Kat shares stories from her world as they palaver around the campfire. What are some of the things you talk about? So we're sitting around the fire. So do you guys realize that this mission we're on is from a book in my world? Uh, no, I didn't realize that. That didn't hit me until until right now. Can I tell you something kind of that's worrying me a little bit about it? Mm Mm-hmm, please. In the story, this young girl is trying to get to her grandmother's house, and on the way, she runs into the big bad wolf, and he's very tricky. 
and he ends up devouring her and she has to cut her way out of its belly. I don't want to do that. Getting devoured is not ideal. No. I won't let that happen, m'lady. Yeah, this this story's up for a rewrite, I think. Okay. I think uh, you'll know what to do when the time comes. Robin, can I ask you a favor? Yeah, I'll try. Can I ask a wish? Right now? Yeah. A wish? Yeah. Yes. I feel like I need to prepare myself, and it's been a long time since my dad read me the tale of Little Red Riding Hood. Could you conjure the book? So if you say, I I wish I had the book, I can do that. I wish I had the book, Little Red Riding Hood. Now I will roll as you wish with only three dice the way we're supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) A ten. Woo! Moving forward, the girl may re-roll and add one to the total. This is the, the first edition collector's copy of... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cat immediately wishes under. for a glass case. <laughs> and... <laughs> Can I have some gloves to touch this? This isn't even a story that really matters. Oh, it's magic. Yeah. What does the, the tome look like? It. Human flesh. Oh my God. <laughs> I, okay, oh, I accidentally brought up the Necronomicon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the cat. could help us. <laughs> Gomer, the voice of reason. Wait, I know Latin. <laughs> Since it's a first edition, it is very worn, but a cared for sort of worn. And it's it's one of those books that looks like it, you know, used to have this gold leaf imprint on it that is is very faded, but you can still tell what it is. And the pages are kind of thick. None of them are torn or ripped, but they're a little bit thick with, with age, and it's kind of dusty. And it has pictures, it has illustrations. It's beautiful, my lady. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Anytime. So are you going to read it now? (laughs) So, yeah. Is it okay if I read this story to you guys, just so we know what we're walking into? It's not very long. Very wise. So she does that, because I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Read the story. Okay. Once upon a time, in a forest far, far away. Yada, yada, yada. Crossfade as we watch the fire (laughs) go down. Does anybody else have any anything they want to share across the fire? The image we saw in the waterfall of Sir December creating the toy soldiers with his woodsman axe. That's how I was made. I did not know that until now. I don't know what to say to him when I see him. I'll be confronted with my creator. Perhaps I'll ask for a new arm. <laughs> <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> Does anybody step up and reattach his arm? Yes. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's a good idea. That'll require a roll from me for just stuff uh, to repair myself. Okay, great. I got uh, seven or more, so how do you repair me, and then how have you been changed by your damage and repair? Okay. So let's take the the first one, so we, we turn to the table. How do you guys reattach his arm? Robin goes over there and picks the arm up, and it inspects it, shakes it, sees how it would normally attach, and sees how that's broken. It takes a second to, like, make a middle finger and flash it around at people. (laughs) Holds it up and is like, uh... How big is Ash? How big is his arm? Uh, Ash is not as tall as anyone. Uh, He's probably four and a half feet tall, but proportionally his arm was just like a a stick with like a... Okay. Not a very elegant hand at the end. 
So Kat approaches Robin uh-huh. with the hand, and she takes her bracelet off, and she puts it around kind of like the shoulder socket of the arm, and then steps back. Well, let's just jab, jab it in there. Yeah. Make this together where it's just going to connect it to you. Sarash, you were willing to give up your humanity to get me home, and that's the only thing you've ever wanted, so I hope that my bracelet will help you. My mom gave it to me, and it's very special to me. It has all my good memories of her and her heart in it. Now it can be your heart. Uh, The arm attaches, and it's like a piece of me that was missing is restored. Um, Like an arm? Precisely, (laughs) but more than an arm. A piece of my heart that was missing is restored. I'm not fully human, but I'm closer than I was after the Queen of the Fairies leached from me. I get kind of emotional, and I'm very thankful. You guys, this means a lot to me. With this arm, I can better serve you. And a slight toy soldier-looking tear manages <laughs> to peek from my eye. Sap? Like, yeah, sap, <laughs> yeah. A little gomer hand goes to wipe the tear from your eye, and you pull back, and it's actually Robin. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. One of your paws is gone. Aww. <laughs> is it your right or your left paw? My left paw is gone. It's your left paw. Yes. You have one paw, but now you're uh, you're almost the size of a real panda. So there's got to be some feelings there. It's almost 100% bad. <laughs> <laughs> For a while there, though, I got to be really big, so and that, that was cool. Now I'm just an awkward size, and I have one paw. <laughs> not happy. You're really a walking model if be careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now I can't carry two corn dogs at the same time. That's true. Oh. I'll carry all our corn dogs. <laughs> the point is we've all suffered. <laughs> no we've one... all got some hurt going on, okay? You turn in for the night, waking up feeling refreshed and ready to take on the dangers of the wolfwood. You tear down your camp and you cross the threshold into the woods. Once you break the tree line of the wolfwood, it instantly turns to night. A full moon overhead, casting no shadows on the trees and leaving no need for other light sources. If you take a step back, you're back outside, it's early morning, it seems totally fine, but the second you cross threshold again, big bright full moon, night sky over you. Cat's like jumping back and forth. (laughs) This is cool. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I flex my new arm, take a few practice swings with my sword. Hey, and hey, nod hey, to you. hey, watch the sword. <laughs> Just in case we need it. The second we crossed into the the wood and it became night, Gomer felt this intense like pressure over his entire body. And that's all I got right now, but it'll matter later. All right. <laughs> now uh, we're going to go through, we're going to build some details of the Wolfwood. We're going to start at Captain Ash. What makes this forest unique compared to other places you've been before? You said the moon doesn't cast shadows on the trees. That's because the shadows are moving. They're flowing from one tree to another. Anything that normally casts a shadow where it should be, well, the shadow is not there. It's moving from one thing to another, flittering from surface to surface. You always feel like something's moving out of the corner of your eye because the shadows are moving. Mm -hmm. Robin, what smells are on the air? The smell of... A butcher shop? It it smells like old meat and burnt wood. Gomer, when you're silent, what sounds stand out around you? 
You can hear the sounds of the trees bending as if they are moving to block any light from getting to you. It's not necessarily that it's just dark, but the trees are actively preventing light from finding you, and you can hear them moving to do that. Cat, when do you know you're being watched by something? As you walk through the woods, if you stop and turn around, the way that the trees and the rocks and just every feature was sort of facing when you walk past it is now reverse. The world is changing behind you almost like it's either folding in on itself behind you or following you in some way, like watching you. That makes no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm creeped out. Yeah. You begin to hear a low growl and then snarling. Something you can't see despite the the brightness of the moonlight. Maybe it's because of the the moving shadows or the trees blocking things out. But now you you hear that you are not alone. You hear this monstrous sound. Just like Kat said, the, the way it's disorienting with directions, it sounds like it's coming from behind you. You turn around, and now it sounds like it's coming from the side, and it just keeps changing every time you stop and listen for it. What do you do? Is it George and Georg? <laughs> uh, Georg and Gorgi. Georg, okay. Did you bring them into the forest, or did you leave them in the safe place? I think we're still riding them. Okay. <laughs> Good. So as we look around for these sounds, Georg and Gorgi start to whimper a little bit, and Robin reaches down and pats their necks to calm them down. He gives a little kick onto the ribs again to move forward as we go into deeper into the wood. You guys know the story. We have to keep going so we can run into the wolf. Suddenly the growl, the growls and the snarls, they start getting louder again. Georg and Gorgi leading the path, but only Georg lets out a sharp whine as uh, its back leg on its side suddenly gets scratched by something. And then you hear hurried running off into the woods, like something just ran through, slashed at it, and then kept running. You guys, I think it's toying with us, and I think I need to get off Georg and Gorgi and walk just a little bit of a little bit ahead, kind of like bait, but not. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't everyone dismount, and I will ride Georg and Gorgi into this, and if we need to, I will send them back to the edge of the woods where it was still morning. Ash dismounts. Cat gets off and and starts walking ahead. Not too far. She's still maintaining close proximity, but just sort of setting herself apart from the group. Gomer, uh, with his paws up, kind of leans off and falls. (laughs) (laughs) Let's himself drop to the ground. That wine happened and the paws went straight up. The paw (laughs) went straight up. You move forward and uh, you you hear a new sound. You hear the the sound of fire crackling. And through the trees, you start moving towards that sound. And Cat, you're leading the way. You come out into this clearing and you find a cottage. There's smoke coming out of the chimney. There's a, a, a clothing line for laundry. There's a stump with an ax into it. There's a garden with these weird and beautiful plants in it that you've never seen before. You guys, oh my gosh, I'm so relieved. I know exactly what's going on here. Uh-huh. We're gonna go in and we're gonna think we see my kindly old grandma, but it's actually Sir December. So just kind of go with it. 
and then you know at the right time we'll we'll let him know what's up but this is gonna be fine this is gonna be easy in fact and she opens the door and walks in (laughs) as you place your hand on the door and get ready to pull you are almost knocked over as somebody else comes barreling outside through the door knocking you back you are fully knocked to the ground and you look up and it is a an older woman who is wearing a tattered red cloak around her. She raises a crossbow up to you. You look past the crossbow and that's when you realize the woman with a crossbow pointed at you looks almost exactly like your mother. Oh, sorry, you can't say that. You can't listen to my face. (laughs) (laughs) We're really trying, though. Kat looks up at this woman's face, and normally she would question this because this is, you know, a magic place, and she would think she was being tricked. But all those days after her mom's death, she spent in the library believing she'd find an answer to what really happened to her mom there, believing that her mom wasn't really dead. All of that just comes rushing in on her, and she believes with all of her heart that this is her mom, and she leaps up, screaming, Mom, and throws herself at her. As if to hug her, not like... <laughs> <laughs> not to, not threateningly? No. Cat jumps on this woman, and she looks panicked. <laughs> this is not what she expected to happen for you to fly up. <laughs> and she grabs you and pulls you off of her and looks over to your traveling companions towards the, the edge of the wood. And she has a, a bit of panic in her eyes. And she says... Run! Come inside! She raises her crossbow up and she fires right towards Robin and shoots just past Robin as you, Robin, you feel like a shadow coming up next to you and it hits that shadow and dissipates and you hear a, like, a sound like she struck something next to you. You heard the lady run! Let's go! And Robin takes <laughs> off into the cottage. But, however, Georgi and... Fuck! Georgi and Gorgi! Georgi and Gorgi can't fit inside. You're going to have to hop off in there because they're not going to fit in this tiny cottage. They're going, as we're going in, I say, Georg, Gorgi, go home, boys. (laughs) They turn on their heels and they run back towards the entrance to the forest. As soon as you're all inside, uh, this woman slams the door behind you and turns her crossbow on all of you. What are you all doing here? Mom, these are my friends. They're they're not <laughs> going to hurt you. Whoa, I slow down. I I I don't know who you think I am. I'm not your mom. Well, are you Sir December? Uh, no, no, this, no, I'm not. Gomer, just make sure mom. who are all I was told that you'd be Sir December. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Gomer, I was I was wrong. Mom, <laughs> You don't you don't remember because of the horse accident, but it's me. It's Cat. Uh, what what horse accident are you talking about? Who are all of you, and how did you get in here? Robin, make her remember. I wish she could remember. <laughs> Robin snaps his fingers. <laughs> Five. <laughs> uh, ask the girl. How does your wish unexpectedly misfire? Oh, no. 
you got your wish, but how does it go wrong? Well, okay, I guess I'm making I, making this my mom then with this, <laughs> because I don't know if it actually is. I was just playing it like it was. As soon as Olivia's memories all come rushing back to her, it's as if you had nothing to work from. So your magic took all of Kat's memories of her mother. So when Olivia gets her memories back, Kat is left with none of her. She doesn't know who <gasps> she is. Oh my God. <laughs> this, uh, Robin stabs his fingers. This wave of energy goes between Kat and this woman you just met. And suddenly you see the recognition come into her eyes and she... My little girl! And she runs up and she grabs you. Kat just looks confused and she's kind of stiff. And she she's sort of peeks her head over Olivia's shoulder at Robin and goes, Uh, who's this lady? Ugh. Robin, your magic didn't work right. Oh, great. You're, you're going to criticize me in the <laughs> middle of this. <laughs> I know it didn't work. <laughs> we put your arm on, didn't we? <laughs> I don't know what to do. I thought my magic is a little wonky right here in this neighborhood, so maybe my magic isn't what's needed right now. I don't know. Well, if your magic isn't needed, I have an idea. This bracelet that Kat used to restore my humanity, that could just well be the key to restoring her memories. Kat, do you trust me with this? Well, yeah, I, I, I trust all of you. You're my best friends. Well, I haven't done this before, but it should work. I detach my arm and remove the bracelet from it. As I do... Do you put your arm between your legs to, like, pull? <laughs> no, I, 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 I put it underneath my left arm, under my armpit, and kind of just try and hold multiple things at once. Um, I'm so. sorry, I just wanted to see Alex physically act. <laughs> Actually, I want to see you act this yeah, out. So you don't it. have your right arm mm -hmm. or your left arm? Okay, I'm going to take my right arm off. Okay. And I'm going to hold it. And between my legs, and then with my left arm, take off the bracelet that was on my socket. I'll study it as the bracelet's in my hand. I feel again the light fading from my eyes and my emotions going cold. But it allows me to act how I need to to finish this job. I I touch the bracelet on Kat's open hand and say, put this on. This will hopefully work. And I slide it over her wrist. As soon as the bracelet's on my wrist, my memories come back. I know who this woman is who was hugging me a minute ago. And I know it's a person that my dad and I had lost that's been such a source of pain and grief. And I just start crying and I fall into her arms again. And she hugs you and, and holds you. She she whispers to you, I don't know, I don't know how I got here or why I'm here, but I'm just, I'm glad we're, we're together. I knew you weren't dead, Mom. I never gave up. And that moment she her head like pops up and she says I, I, I'm sorry there's so much coming back to me I, I remember two full lives that I, I remember being here and if, if, if you're all here and, and you came here to find me you're, you're all in danger there's a monster out there and no matter what I do no matter how many times I slay it it comes back every single day it returns no matter what I do there's no way we can get out of here there is we're we're going to free you. We're all going to get out of here together. I I just have to be devoured by the wolf. That's What? No, it's it's going to be okay. You guys There's got to be another way. There's absolutely no way I'm allowing that to happen after just getting you back. 
Mom, you don't understand. We've been on this insane journey and so much has happened and these guys have done so much for me and I've trusted them completely and now it's time for everyone to trust me. I trust her. I knew she would know what to do. Mm, very true. At that moment, you hear a large rustling coming from outside that just sounds, it's louder. It's way too loud to be the dog. It's way too loud to be the wolf you heard running around, but there's some loud commotion coming through the woods. It sounds like we're gonna have to make this choice real fast. Robin peeks through the crack between the door and the door frame to see <laughs> what's outside. Uh, Robin, what you see when you peek out, you see the dented, scuffed, very harshly blemished ivory armor of Sir December and a, a handful of uh, about a dozen troops, including Jacques the octopus, as they come tearing into the clearing. And you can see they are wearing the heads of toy soldiers as helmets. Oh, wait, there's no wolf out there, cat. What? It's, there's Jocktopus. I love that guy. And yeah, but I think he's changed sides. He's wearing a, oh. a head helmet. <gasps> And then there's Sir Decembri. Decembri. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's he's one big testicle. <laughs> I think this story has been rewritten a little bit. We don't we shouldn't take it literal. Dude, is he the big bad wolf? Is there even a wolf? Mom, is there a wolf? Yes, there's most definitely a wolf. But so it's, it exists sort of like literally and figuratively? It started out as a physical wolf, and every time I, I thought I killed it, it came back just less than it was before, and now it's it's almost entirely made of, of shadow, and no matter what I do, no matter how hard I destroy it, I, it's just been it and I for so long. And from the outside, you hear Sir December's voice. Come out! Bring me my axe. Oh, this again? How does he even know we're here? Okay, I, I'll give him his axe. Yeah, you should give him his axe. I open the door, I charge through like that Kramer style and stand <laughs> on the other side, <laughs> waiting for you guys to come out behind. Yep, I'm right behind uh, you. So am I! Ash, the moment you see that your brethren have basically been hollowed out and used as helmets, you let some of your humanity go. And the rage you feel at seeing all of this brings back everything you'd lost before and then some. You've never felt so hard in your entire life at seeing what's been done to these people. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was okay until that journey. You just told Alex he's never been so hard. <laughs> oh, we're 12. <laughs> but if we're thinking it, other people are yeah. thinking it. You've Sir never December felt be so hard. <laughs> I've and just, heard that. and just when you think you can't be any more furious, you see the eyes on the heads blinking. <gasps> My brothers, what have they done to you? I use um, a spirit and everything to try and uh, communicate with my brethren and learn what they've gone through. I'm gonna trust my instincts on this one, which is necessary to speak to these inanimate objects. Okay, I got eight 
so you you kind of reach out to them with your magic to ask them what they've been through and the one that you're looking at it can't speak because it's been hollowed out but you hear in your head it respond brother they used our consciousness to travel safely through the whispering wood we heard so many terrible things they wore us to shield themselves we've been nothing but tools all along it pains me to hear that i know the whispering woods i know the voice as well we encounter them ourselves it kills me to see you like this rest assured i will right this wrong and i will free you so you stand there face to face with your old enemy you're holding the the axe that he wants what do you do as you step up cat I want to use my curiouser and curiouser okay. about the axe again, because I know that it acts on. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I know that it. I know that it acts on intent, but can it only do things like cut or destroy? Can it do anything else? Well, you have seen it. You've seen it give life. Okay. You've seen it create. So you know it can create. Its possibilities are are pretty open. Okay. Cat looks at her friends and says, I think I got this, but in case I don't stay close, please. <laughs> okay, sir, December. We all huddle close. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you this axe, but I, I need you to put your sword down. I'm not approaching you with the sword in your hand. I'm just a little girl, man. You shouldn't be scared of me. <laughs> <laughs> Sir December looks at his his knights around him. You saw this go down the first time he tried this. Like this is the whole point of this is to impress how great a hero he is. So he's definitely not gonna let himself get. That's why she tried the little girl yeah, angle. He's definitely not gonna let himself get taunted by a little girl. Well, no, so but he draws a sword. <laughs> he stabs it into the ground, and then he takes a step forward. Cat does not like his posturing, but. She proceeds forward. As she gets within like two feet of him, she swiftly raises the axe above her head and charges at him, bringing it down. Jesus! Well, we haven't talked about intent. Hey, yeah, what's... So as Kat's running at him, she knows that he has more training than her. He's a soldier and he can probably dodge her attacks pretty well. But what he can't do, she's fairly, fairly certain, is any sort of juggling. So, <laughs> yes! She's gonna try a really cool move. As she gets closer to him, as she's like bringing the sacks down, instead of making like a, a blow, she tosses it up in the air instead and tosses her book and starts juggling them, waiting for an opening so she can hit him with the axe. She's not trying to kill him. But. You've been swinging at him. He's been dodging, kind of lulling him into that you're going after him. And the second you start juggling, he like is so thrown off. So let's roll the dice and see what happens. Definitely trusting my instincts here. Taking charge, taking up a lot of space. <laughs> Being assertive. You are being confident. Oh yeah, totally confident. I would not say you're breaking a rule though. I'm gonna roll seven. As you start juggling, Robin is cheering you on like we're back at the circus. Like, <laughs> yeah! Nice. <laughs> so I have nine, but I can re-roll one of those? You just roll your lowest die of any of them. Okay. 11. 11. You succeed in your plan. Now tell us what that plan was. 
I am so disturbed and heartbroken and irritated with what we've seen with the toy soldiers and what Ash has gone through. And I felt so awesome when I gave him my bracelet and it restored his humanity. And then for him to, like, who makes that sacrifice for somebody twice? That's insane. And it kind of broke my heart a little bit. So as I'm grabbing my axe, as it makes its final juggle roll, I don't know. That's what it's called. (laughs) That is the technical term. I bring it down and all I want is for Sir December to know everything that Ash and all of his comrades have ever felt because of what he has done. Oh, in in his stunned state, you bring the axe down right into the top of his head and the ivory mask starts cracking down and shatters apart and falls to the ground. And for the first time, you see Sir December's face and don't know what you expected from, from this heroic night, but he is completely unremarkable. You can just see from his face that he was someone who was never going to stand out on his own. And you watch his eyes grow as he feels all of the pain, not only that he has caused the people around him, the pain that he put his creations through, the pain that you've all gone through, you've put all of that into him. And he begins to let out a scream or a cry or some deep howling sound in him. And then he petrifies into solid wood. Looks like he's going to stick around for a while. (laughs) (laughs) So the rest of the group, what do you guys think when you see her pull the axe out and it is you've seen your arch nemesis become petrified? I approach. I'm going to peer into his eyes. Do I see any life in there? None. Absolutely none. Mm. He is solid. I allow myself to feel some satisfaction and then I, I'm going to attempt a spirit and everything. All right. I got an eight again. So I'll just speak to him and say, Sir December, what do you feel? I feel pain. I feel regret. I feel that I'm a fraud. I deserve this. Yes, these feelings are honest and you may feel pain now, but I think there's redemption for you. Can you forgive me? I created you to use you. Well, to be honest, that's not going to be an easy task for me. The amount of pain you've caused me and my brethren is immense, and we're owed repayment. I want my brother and I to be free, free from servitude. And now that you've experienced what we feel, I want you to help me make that a reality. I think as you're having this discourse and we're walking up to see what's going on and it's this one-sided conversation that we're hearing, mm-hmm. Robin has snapped his fingers and there's hand is a blazing fireball (laughs) (laughs) and he holds it up and it says are you forgiving this guy stay your hand sir robin he's dead there's still life in him i've communicated with his spirit he feels remorse and regret and he wants to repent and he says he wants to make things right he said all that he's still in there and gomer just starts knocking (laughs) on sir december's forehead oh not cool (laughs) At least it's not my Decembris. <laughs> I no longer physically exist. But if you 
destroy this visage, I will use the last of my power to set you all free. You see the, the, the light from the flame that Robin's holding reflecting off of you. You turn back and look at the soldiers he's brought with him, including your old buddy Jacques. Uh, seeing their leader vanquished, they sheathe their swords, and Jacques raises his tentacle, move out! And they begin to leave you behind and... Bye, Jacktopus! <laughs> Goodbye, Gama! <laughs> Do it, Robin. If we destroy his physical form, his energy will be released, and he can use that power to set everyone free. Do it. Robin sets the flame on Sir December's heart, and it catches fire, and it goes up faster than anybody expected. And we all step back, and it's burnt to ashes in seconds. The wind comes through and sweeps up the ashes, and the ashes begin to sparkle, and some of them fly up against you, Ash, and the other ones go off into the wind, you presume, fulfilling that final promise, and you finally feel free and feel like you belong to you for the first time. Yay. It's a powerful feeling, and I immediately drop to my knees and tears start flowing from my eyes, and I feel free. And at the same time, I feel the strong, the strength of uh, my bond towards my friends get even stronger, and I'm able to uh, focus and become restored. As you watch all of the, the glittering ashes escape the wolfwood, you, you all feel this, this peace that you've, you've vanquished a true evil in this world, and you, you don't even know all of the good things that could be done from this. But that moment is shattered when you hear a familiar growl and snarl approaching from behind you, and Cat, you hear your mother scream behind you. Cat turns around and she rushes over to her mother's side. She she steps in front of her, puts herself in front of her mom as if to protect her, and yells, Robin, Gomer, Ash, I need you guys, come here. Out of the woods comes an eldritch horror of a wolf on on its hind legs, shadowy tendrils for claws. It has been destroyed and reborn so many times it barely appears as a true wolf anymore, and it moves out towards you. Robin rushes forward, hand outstretched towards where Cat is standing. I give a whoop. I'm still elated and emotional, and I just laugh. Of course, I'll join you, my lady. Nothing can stop us now. <laughs> Gomer rushes up as well and is right there with everybody. So as Kat feels everybody standing next to her and behind her, and they all kind of put their, their hands on her shoulders, and her mom is there, and she feels the strength of everyone. And what she sees in front of her is like a nightmare, and she's terrified, and she's worried that these are going to be the last words she ever says, so she wants them to be good. And she kind of looks behind her at all of you and says, you guys have meant everything to me. I love you all. Thank you. And she throws the book down and it opens up to the page and she screams, send it back. Once the book flies open, a whirlwind appears in the center of the pages. And you feel like you're being drawn into the book and you have to fight and hold yourselves back to not get sucked in. The wolf lets out this horrifying howl as the shadows of its existence start being pulled into this vortex. Cat, your mom, who you just got back, starts 
falling forward towards this book, and you're holding on for dear life to keep her hand. The wolf finally goes all the way in, but before it stops, you see the trees uprooting around the cottage, shrinking down, collapsing. All of your surroundings are crashing down into this book, and you all hunker down and hold on tight, close your eyes, and you hear the of the book closing. You open your eyes, and you are on the edge of the Whispering Willows, mere feet from where you entered in the first place. Around round drinks! It worked! I can't Oh, Gomer! Gomer! You're and so that tall. is when uh, they turn to see Gomer, and Gomer is not there. And all that is where Gomer should be is a corn dog. <gasps> what? Where did Gomer go? You guys, we gotta... F- Cat looks at the book. Robin, is he in here? Did he get sucked in? Did we lose him? What's wrong? Is he okay? I was sh- it's okay, Cat. We don't know what happened, but he left Horn Dog, and he always left it for you when he was trying to make you feel better. But it's I, gonna be okay. And I'd I pick up the corn dog. Than a corn dog. Robin picks up the corn dog, and it's in that little red panda paw. He <laughs> <laughs> hands it to you, and it reminds you of that first time that you got a corn dog from Gomer. As you're you're all standing there around the book, the the visage of the fairy queen appears before you. Uh, she now looks because this is a projection. She she looked better when you left her, but now she is this ethereal goddess in front of you. And she says, "Cat, you've done the unthinkable. You've you've set not only." myself free, but you've set free so many in our world to think one young girl and her friends couldn't have such an impact on the world. I'm going to uphold my end of our promise. And she reaches out, feels like her, she you shouldn't be able to feel her, but you can. And she takes the hand with the bracelet on it, holds it up, and manifests one of the apples in the other touches the apple to your bracelet and you see the stone glow red and then she crushes the apple vaporizing it and then lets go and then gestures and from the sky a waterfall comes down and creates a pool of water next to you guys and she says now you've been given a gift of travel that cannot rot it is the only way I can repay you and she disappears is there a corn dog there? <laughs> <laughs> a very large corn a dog. A very massive corn dog. You guys, we we did it. I I'm sorry, I got it. I don't want to leave you, but I have to take my mom home and we have to see my dad. He's God, how do we explain this to my dad? We knew this was gonna happen, Kat. I can come back and visit though, is that okay? Can I come visit you guys? Yeah. yeah. I have a feeling this won't be the last time we see each other. Okay. I'm very proud of you, Kat. You became a leader. And you did what you, the impossible. You did it. This is not a goodbye, but just a, a goodbye for now. Thanks, you guys. I couldn't have done any of it without you. And Kat and her mom stepped through the waterfall. All right. It is time for, for epilogues. After the events, maybe a month, uh, Ash has begun traveling the land and searching out former wooden soldiers. He's kind of become... His, his new purpose is to... 
help them establish new lives. He's going to be a teacher or like a social worker or almost like a, uh, an advocate for them. He's making sure that they have the skills they need and the representation they need to establish themselves. So he just kind of goes from town to town and checks up on people and makes sure everybody's doing all right. And he gets sort of a following. Some choose to join him. Some choose to continue being soldiers. Some choose to take up crafts or, or just live out their lives out in the woods. But it's a life that he is longed for. And it fills him with purpose and satisfaction. Just restoring the livelihoods of his former brethren. Robin? Robin is sitting in a clearing of a, the fairy forest. It's sunset. There is a sheep-shaped fairy sitting <laughs> next to him. <laughs> He puts his arm around the fairy and scratches behind her ear and she bleats in pleasure. And Robin says, well, I think it's time for me to to fulfill the position that I was supposed to take a long time ago, but I wasn't ready for it. And he stands up and walks towards the fairy mists and he turns and looks back at the, the sheep fairy and waves and turns and he's, he walks into the, the fairy mists he slowly dissolves into the mists and they pulse purple and pink and orange, the colors of the sunset, and they merge with the horizon. Gomer? Only two people ever found out what actually happened to Gomer, and that was the wizard Ronaldo, who created him, and Hieronymus, who got kicked in his Hieronymus by Gomer. Because what had happened was that Ronaldo the painting, the blood painting that had birthed Gomer and all the other red pandas was built from magic connected to the pocket dimension. So when the pocket dimension collapsed, it released Gomer and all of the other red pandas from this realm. So as the, the book started to absorb the dimension, Gomer felt himself fading and pulled out one last corn dog for Cat. And he wasn't sad to go because he had finally found the family that he always wanted. And in doing so, unwittingly saved the family that he, he was born into. And Kat. Kat and her mom go home, and her dad has to deal with the shock of seeing Olivia alive. And while they were hoping that they could kind of pull him into this world with them, they recognize that that's just not him. And that's not a bad thing, it's okay. So they find a way to connect with him and stay in touch with that other world and, and kind of experience it with him in his own way, and that is by telling him about their adventures that they continue to go on when they go back and visit the fairy realm throughout the years. They tell him these stories as if they're fairy tales. And he, somewhere deep inside of him, he knows like <laughs> this stuff is messed up and there's magic and I'm freaking out. He's a very practical guy, but he accepts this kind of illusion, this tale. And so they'll go away for a little bit and come back and tell him a story. And that's kind of how they all stay connected with this experience that has affected all three of them. And Kat grows up and has kids, and she brings her kids to the fairy world, and she brings her mom with her until her mom eventually dies of old age, and Kat has grandkids. And the fairy queen's realm is never not filled with magical children. And with that, we end Girl Underground. As this evening's tale comes to a close, you notice the fireplace has lost some of its warmth and light. That's your cue that it's time to take your leave of the club. 
As you make your way to the door, you are tempted to deviate from this warmly lit corridor. Suddenly and silently, Stevens appears with your coat in the slightest of nods. You leave, satisfied, knowing that next month will bring another tale and possibly a chance for adventure. Goodbye for now, members.